Hi, I'm Adam Sanford. I'm an academic life coach and professor in Los Angeles. And I'm Dinur Bloom. I'm a college professor in Los Angeles. And this is Learning Made Easier, a podcast where we discuss how we learn and how we teach and how they overlap. Welcome back to Learning Made Easier. This is episode 107, How to Adapt to Online Classes, How to Study Effectively, and Stop Procrastinating on the Computer When Classes Are Going On. So how can students adapt to online classes and avoid procrastinating and stay focused on their classes when they're on the computer? Now that learning is all online, some students have asked me and Denor, how am I supposed to keep my focus on the lecture when Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, they're all available during class and I could just mute myself and they'd never know. How do I study effectively with Zoom? All right. First, let's be honest, it is tempting to zone out in class. This is not a new thing since the pandemic. This is something that happens in person too, and it happens to the best of us from time to time. So how do we limit it so that focus is actually on the class? One option is only open the programs you need for class. So if you're in a class that meets on Zoom and posts its slides, the way a lot of my classes are, then if you're a student, open Zoom for the lecture, open the slides so that you can follow along, and open a Word document and focus on those things. Instead of thinking of each class as a giant block of time that you cannot use the internet for, think of class as a chance to listen to a documentary or a podcast. Frame class as something that you can relax with, something you enjoy, because I think if you can convince yourself that class material is interesting, it's going to make focusing on the material a lot easier because you're going to be invested in learning more about the topic. Another thing, if you just find your mouse pointer drifting in there to open up a tab or open up a browser window and go look at Facebook, you can use browser blocker apps to keep you off social media and other sites for certain periods of time. My husband does this when he's writing. He has a program called Freedom. And when he starts it, he can't get to Facebook. He can't get to Twitter. He can't get to any of his social media. He can't look at Instagram. So if you can't go to a web page, you can't be distracted by that web page. Programs like Freedom, Stay Focused, Cold Turkey, and others can stop you from accessing certain sites for a certain period of time. Another app that helps me is Forest. It keeps me from touching my phone. You start it up and you tell it, for the next 45 minutes, I'm working. And if you so much as look at it, it's constantly displaying messages, don't touch me. What are you doing? Go back to your work. And there's a little tree, a little virtual tree growing. And if you leave it alone for that period of time, if you manage not to pick up your phone and play with it, you can grow a virtual tree in a virtual forest, which is kind of a cool reward. If you just need to not have your phone distract you, Stick it in another room if you're prone to bringing up Candy Crush Saga or Twitter. Sometimes not having your phone can help a lot in reducing your distraction level. Establish a place where you're going to be every time you Zoom for a particular class. The physical setting does matter, and it can help you get in the mindset of, I'm in class now. Now, when we're on campus, the actual classroom serves as that mental cue to tell us classroom rules are enforced now. But when we're at our desk or at the dining room table, we might have more trouble seeing the Zoom room as a classroom because now the class is coming to us in our homes. If you can find a place in your home, which is always the classroom here, that's going to help you get in the right mindset and get you focused 
when it comes time for class. Another option is to get a Zoom buddy. A page on Florida State University suggests getting together with a classmate that you can message off of Zoom. So for example, exchange text numbers. And if you notice, you know, their mic is echoing or that there's a baby crying in the background and you can hear it through their mic or you're stuck in the waiting room and you can't get into Zoom, having a Zoom buddy that you can text can make a lot of difference. And also having a Zoom buddy can help you pay attention in lecture. If you and your Zoom buddy get together on FaceTime on your phones while you're sitting in the Zoom class, that actually encourages you to pay attention because now you know at least one person sees you. And that's kind of how, you know, when you're in the classroom, you may think the kid at the desk next to me can see me gazing off into the distance. I better pay attention to the teacher. You may not need the whole class staring at you the way they do in Zoom, and you're never sure who's looking at you in Zoom. But if you have a friend on FaceTime or a Zoom buddy on FaceTime who is watching you and you're watching them, you're more likely to encourage each other to keep paying attention. And finally, if you have that FaceTime, you can mute yourself, they can mute themselves, and you have a back channel where you can just let off some steam away from the professor. Even if that back channel is just snark and complaining, you know, there's something that uh, someone mentioned about Zoom fatigue in meetings. They're like, I can't roll my eyes at the person next to me when the manager says something stupid anymore. But they found a way to do it. Now they just have their FaceTime on and they roll their eyes at their FaceTime. But because they're looking this way, nobody can see them rolling their eyes. They think they're just distracted for a moment. And it's okay not to love all your professors. Denor and I were talking about this when we put the script together. We know that some of you don't like us. We know that some of you hate this class. We know that some of you don't like us and hate this class. And if you don't have any place to get that pressure off, to say to someone, God, I wish he would just get to the point, that makes it more tough. So having a Zoom buddy can really help. What about the classes where you're just bored to tears? Well, one counterintuitive way to help you with these classes that bore you to tears or the ones you hate is to give yourself a small break when you start feeling your focus going away. Go use the bathroom. Go get a drink of water. Go get a snack. The idea is to get you moving for a few minutes, let you process whatever information you've been going over, and help you hit that reset button in your brain, get you refocused for when you return. And look, when we meet in person, students can use the bathroom. This isn't a high school. You don't need to ask permission. Why not do this thing when you're at home? Just use the break you're giving yourself as a chance to refresh, reset, and refocus mentally. Now, outside of class, Zoom should also be an intentional way for you to meet up with classmates. So now, yeah, chatting in the halls or chatting before class starts or chatting after class ends, that's often not a thing anymore. But if you can say, hey, anybody want to get together with us, you know, in a Zoom meeting after class, I can open a Zoom room for like two hours. You guys want to get together? We can talk about the lesson. You know, just hanging out virtually to spend time together and to go over class material. No, it's not the same as hanging out in person. We know that. But it is possible to play games or do music nights or, you know, do a movie watch with your friends online as ways of just blowing off some steam again we are creating a pressure cooker situation here i mean the, the virus has given us no choice but that means you've got to find some ways of letting off that steam when it comes to classwork you can meet virtually to ask and answer questions vent about assignments or tests or teachers and figure out ways of helping each other you know we're, we're assuming these are classes where you're not being ranked against each other or graded against each other but even if you are medical students work together oh both adam and i have had experiences with dealing with issues of learning online. 
I've had classes both as an undergrad and as a graduate student. So let's not pretend that just because we've earned letters before and after our names that we've never zoned out in class. I've definitely had classes where I zoned out. I started surfing the web because I would use my laptop to type notes. And before I knew it, maybe 20, 30 minutes flew by and I'd heard bits and pieces, but I was pretty lost with what we were talking about. Oh, you know, one thing that I did once, um, because I was in a wheelchair for about two years because of my arthritis and I had a really bad pain year and I had a 7 a.m. class. And anyone who knows me knows that I am not awake at 7 a.m., even if I am awake at 7 a.m. And I remember apparently I can type while I'm asleep because I was sitting in a geology class and I was snoring, but I was also typing. My notes didn't make a lot of sense, but I was typing. Now, I would say that that's a kind of an extreme distraction. I got woken up by the instructor who said, am I that boring? I'm all, no, it's just that I didn't get to sleep until three in the morning. Um, but the thing is, we've all zoned out. We've all had moments where suddenly you are watching the person in front of you and they are buying something on eBay and you're like, no, no, that's the wrong color for you. Don't buy that. Don't buy that. Right. Because, you know, at some point when the teacher is talking like this and it gets really boring, you're going to float away. And if you're at home in the comfort of your home, it's more likely that you're going to get distracted. Now, I will tell you all that in retrospect, I wish I would have told myself to go get a drink or a snack or go take a bathroom break, figuring if I'm going to zone out, then at least lose five minutes or 10 minutes instead of 20 to 30. Because if I had taken that small break, even if it's awkward and informal, it would have at least let me come back more refocused and lose less time from class. You know, another thing I was thinking about the bathroom break, for me, one of the things I had to start doing in that geology class was just go to the bathroom and splash water on my face because I was tired and splashing cold water on my face at least helped me wake up a little bit. And if you need to do that, that's better, as as Denor just said, you know, better to miss five minutes or so of class than 25 minutes of class because you're zoning out. And now as a teacher, I know that my students are going to zone out part of the time. And so I ask the students who are typically in my longer classes, longer than an hour, hour 15, I'll ask if and when they want breaks. And if they say, hey, we're good with powering through, then I make a point of ending class early because I know that we have a certain amount of mental energy. Those who take the breaks, take the breaks, they come back refreshed. I let my students take breaks even if we don't take it all at the same time. And one of the things I've told my students, because I don't require them to turn their cameras on and I don't require them to have their microphones on, they can always participate in the Zoom chat. If they need to step away to get food, to get water, to stretch their legs, I'm not going to know. I'm not looking in on them. Their classmates aren't looking in because the camera's off and they're muted. So use that as an opportunity to be sly and be able to give yourself that little bit of a break. But just wait when you come back, make sure you're refreshed, reset, and you're ready to move along with the class. One article I read said that we've got to find ways, both as teachers and as students, to intentionally build in the informal stuff that used to happen in in-person classes. You know, just to have, maybe you give your students five minutes to, hey, just talk about what we just learned. I'm going to go and get a break. I'm going to go and get a bathroom break. Okay, so I'm going to leave the room open. You all talk. I'll be back in a minute. Okay, and then you come back. And half the time when you do that, you'll find that people are talking. You know, that, that because they don't have you watching them, teachers 
they've, they've got the chance to, you know, talk a little bit about what it feels like. Or, you know, you can intentionally build in, you know, a study group, or you can intentionally build in a hangout group and say, hey, does everybody want to just say, you know, we have um, class with uh, Dr. Denor, we have class with him on Tuesdays from 2 to 4.30. You guys want to get together from like 5 to 6, you know, and we could just hang out and talk about it like we would if we were going to get together right after class. You know, and everybody provides, you know, somebody provides a Zoom room and says, hey, you know, after class Zoom room and puts it in the chat. And then everybody else can go to that Zoom room when the class is over and they could talk over the class. Now, keep in mind that for a lot of us, myself included, and for some of Adam and my students, there's the very real phenomenon of Zoom fatigue where you just get stuck in meeting after meeting after meeting and you're meeting for all your classes, you're meeting with your closets and you're in the same place or same two places most of the time. And that's rough. And we know it can be overwhelming, especially because many of us are adapting to, an on, to a learning and teaching environment online that we weren't planning on before uh, we shut down last spring, before we moved all virtually. And so we know that it's a very real thing for a lot of people to deal with Zoom fatigue. I know that I deal with it. And there are times where I'll, even when I'm teaching, I'll turn my camera off uh, just because I can't keep looking at a webcam. And then I already know that for some students, it's the same way. And so be aware that it's a real thing. We know that right now, Zoom meetings or Google Hangouts or Microsoft Teams are the ways people are meeting. But we also know that it's a different type of meeting and a different form of tiredness than we had when we were meeting in person. Now, Adam mentioned the importance of that back channel. It's crucial. Like We know as teachers that not 100% of our students are going to like us. And speaking at least for myself, I know that when I started teaching, that scared me. I was like, oh, my God, what if my students all hate me? And I realized, look. 100% of the students probably aren't going to hate me. 100% of students probably aren't going to love me. But I'm going to assume that there are going to be more students who, even if they don't love me, like the class enough that it's not going to be any skin off their back. And there are often going to be more students, at least in my case, who end up liking me and who I can work with more than students who actively dislike me. As teachers, we have to be okay with this idea that students are gonna talk about us. They're gonna talk shit about us a little bit. They're gonna talk about our classes and let's not pretend that as students that we loved each and every class we are in. I'm willing to tell you all that I definitely had classes as a grad student and as an, and as an undergrad that I, I did not care for. It's part of the nature of the biz. It's one of the ha hazards of the job. We have to accept that we're not gonna be 100% liked or 100% loved, we have to accept that and be okay with it and just realize it's not necessarily something personal. Now, the way teachers can use this advice is build in breaks in your classes. Let your students check their phones, stretch their legs. Five to 10 minutes in a class that goes for an hour 15 to an hour and a half, that's enough of a break to usually let people refresh, reset, and refocus. And you would rather sacrifice five to 10 minutes and keep everyone focused than to try and power through without a break and have a lot of the students zone out and not remember or retain any material. Heck, before we went online, 
um, in my in my uh, in person classes, I always gave a text break at like the thirtieth minute or so. You know, we'd get thirty minutes into class, and I'd say, "Okay, everybody, two minute text break. Go ahead and take a look at your phones." And that allowed them that two minutes that Denor, as as Denor said, you know, needs everybody to refresh, reset, and refocus. Two minutes of looking at their phone and making sure that they didn't miss anything allows them to bring their focus back. It's the same in online classes. At the start of classes, at the very start, like, you know, when classes first start, make sure your students know you have a structure so that they know what to expect. Give them a heads up for what they can expect in the Zoom class. An Inside Higher Ed article, which we'll link to in the show notes, also has a couple of suggestions uh, to make Zoom class easier on students. Have students meet with you in small groups the week before classes start or in the first week of classes so they can get to know you as a person. Ask for their feedback about what they've liked or not liked in their other online classes. What's gonna work for them in your class? And the other one is use breakout rooms regularly. They break up the flow of the class. They keep students from falling into Zoom hypnosis, which is like highway hypnosis. When you've been driving so long, you're no longer aware of your surroundings. Ask a question, tell the students they have two minutes to discuss it and come up with an answer, toss them into breakout rooms. When they come back, have them report on their discussions and answers. Making it a dynamic situation allows the students to not sit there and go, I'm a zombie, you know, which is a Zoom, is a Zoom zombie. And the article has other suggestions as well, but those two seem to be the most relevant for helping with Zoom fatigue. So we'll link to that in the show notes as well. So that's what we have for you in episode 107. If you're finding this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. We're always hoping to get new subscribers so we can help more people. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Android. We're hosted on Blueberry.com. Also, we'd appreciate it if you wrote a review of this podcast for us on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to join us next week for episode 108, when we'll talk about how to narrow the scope of your paper, focusing on time, place, and people. You've been listening to Learning Made Easier, a podcast about how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. We want to say thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. If you want to support us, please go to www.patreon.com slash learningmadeeasier. We look forward to seeing you next week.